Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, coming back to you every day. Well, not every day, five days a week for you. Love you guys. We are going to make it. I was just telling my guests pre-recording that we are going to make it. I had a a conversation with Grace this morning and she's like, mom, I want to go back to school. And I'm like, mama wants you to go back to school. But we are looking towards the future with eyes of hope. You're going to make it. Things are starting to open up. Um, However, we still need to be cautious as they open up, but we are going to make it. That is the song of my heart. My guest today, her name is Joe Saxon, and she has written a book called Ready to Rise. Own your voice, gather your community, and step into your influence. Ready to rise. Welcome to the show, Joe. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thanks. Thanks for having me. If there has ever been a time that we needed to rise, it would be right now. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's, it's a lot right now. There's it's a lot. And it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I, I, it's so funny. We've had uh, several authors on the show and they've written books. And it's, God knows when yeah. these books need to be released, when these yep. babies need to be birthed and put yep. out. This is another one of those books. Uh, coming out of quarantine, coming out of stay-at-home orders, coming out yeah. of wherever. It's different for everywhere, but here in Texas, they're they're alleviating some of the orders. It is the time for us to not delve into our self-doubt, insecurity, yeah. what, what my fifth grade friend told me that stuck with me for 30 years. Now is the time to kind of shut down all those voices step into our callings. Why did you write the book, Joe? Tell me all about it. Yeah, um, well, you know, when when you're writing, you don't quite know what context it's going to be published in. So I certainly didn't have a global pandemic in mind. But but I was aware as I met, um, as I was traveling and speaking and and serving alongside um, women, I noticed a common thread, a common thread of frustration, a common Mm. thread of second guessing, conflictedness, like, incredibly gifted women of every ethnicity, every um, generation every, and different parts of the world, but a similar thing that there was no clear path as they seek to unpack their leadership gift. And I meet women often like in the breaks or something when you're all lining up at a group of 35 of you outside a bathroom or something. And, um, <laughs> and we'd have these conversations on and these questions would be how, like, I feel like there's this thing inside of what do I do about it? Or or they've been so wounded by something someone had said or an experience in their leadership journey that they just ran it off completely. They were like slaying in different parts of, in different parts of the culture, whether in business or in, um, as an entrepreneur, but they still didn't feel like they were owning all that God had called them to do and still were second guessing themselves in those spaces. And so I've kept on coming back to this thought of what would it look like for women to own how God had wired them, agree with how God had wired them and step into it. And knowing that sometimes ready to rise is like jumping up and running. And sometimes it's like rising up from the ashes of your story, Mm -hmm. the ashes of your past, the ashes of mistakes, or 
trauma or whatever, but rising nonetheless. And I wanted to, I wanted women to know that not, not only was it possible, it's part of God's story and they're intersecting with their story. It's part of God's call and initiative on their life. I love that you said agree with God. I don't, I think people that don't see women as voices mm. for the Lord don't read the scripture. We need to just agree with what's already written in the scripture. Women like uh, Deborah, I mean, mm. oh my goodness, I'm so inspired by her. I wrote a book about Rahab yeah. a couple of years ago. She is my girl. It, it is just simply agreeing with how God already made you, placed you, and stepping into that. Why do you think we have so many problems doing that in our culture, Joe? Yeah, I think there are a range of reasons. I think somehow, I think sometimes um, women have been socialized to expect to be like almost a mildness that isn't true for how we're wired. I think sometimes it's the expectations of the culture around us. There are lots of things telling us who we are and what we're meant to be. And they normally revolve around being not enough or too much. And mm. I think that can leave um, women. And I think often we don't see, I mean, I, I don't know how many times growing up I heard um, people talking about Lydia and Priscilla and Phoebe and Rahab and Deborah in the Bible. Mm. I didn't hear, and I didn't hear about their influence, their contribution. Yeah. And there's a quote that um, a woman called Marion Wright Edelman spoke, that, which I, comes to my mind when I think of women um, rising up. And it's, you can't be what you can't see. And if you don't see it, or if you're the only one in the room, you begin like, should I actually be here? Mm. Should I be, is it okay that I'm doing this? And we forget that it's not just okay, that it's actually God's design for you. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got used to hiding our gifts and calling it humility. Oh, come on. That was like mic drop moment right there. Tell me about your, your sort of struggle with owning who you are and being the leader that you are. Talk to me about your journey a little bit and how did you overcome that? How did you step into what you're doing now? Because you clearly are leading... Uh, you know, um, leadership, a lot, a lot of women that are in leadership, you're leading them, you're training them. You've got a podcast, you travel and speak, you write books. How did you overcome and what were maybe some of your insecurities and questions uh, stepping into what you're doing? I think I, I often say I was the last one to work out that I was a leader growing up. I think my, my <laughs> teachers knew, my friends knew, my enemies knew. I hadn't worked it out. But if I look, sometimes when you look back, you're like, mm, why was I the captain of every sports team? Why, what, do you know what I mean, why was I not just involved in them? But the cap and I wasn't always the most skilled player, but I was often the captain of the team nonetheless. Mm. And um, why did I kind of come alive when given areas of responsibility? And I, and I, but I still didn't see myself as a leader. And I think some of it was my own broken parts of my story, not feeling good enough, um, gr growing up with not much in terms of connections or, or well, you know, I grew up in the inner city in London. And so it wasn't a place which was invested in. And often there are lots of stereotypes that follow people on account on account of gender, ethnicity, class. And I was like, mm. it seemed that the people who led were other people, not people who looked like me, were like me in some way. So I think that was one of the things that I had to get past. And I, and I think I'd probably, as I grew a bit older and began to try things, even in my college years and in my 20s, it was almost like, am I just a bit too much for people? You know, I, I wasn't quite sure where my gifts fit. When I looked at the people around me, they like the women were um, gentler and quieter and wonderful, like my friends. I mean, it wasn't, there was no either or about it. It was just, I don't quite know how I do this. I don't know quite how I speak and how I lead. And I'd, I'd almost find myself in these situations thinking, one, how did I get here? And should I actually be here? 
Mm. Um, and I think what changed it for me was one God restoring a sense of my identity. I think, mm. um, you know, you, you don't live beyond what you believe about yourself. So if you're always questioning yourself, that comes out as you lead, that comes out as you love, that comes out as you parent, the whole thing. If you're always like, mm, if you're going in, if you're entering into a room apologizing, it's downhill from there. Yeah, true. Um, so I think that was one of the, so as, as I felt, as I encountered God's grace and healing and to, in, in just areas of my life and a sense of that sense of we see in one Psalm 3, 9 about being fearfully and wonderfully made. And it didn't matter what the world said about me as a black woman, as a Nigerian, as a, as someone growing up in the inner city, what God said is fearfully and wonderfully made. And once that word is over you, there's potential in that word. There's not potential in the word where people think you're too much or not enough. There is potential in God's word, which says you are part of his design. So I think that was, that was a key part of the journey, but also I had people around me who helped speak that word over my life rather than the lies of the culture over my life mm. you know uh, it's one thing hearing it it's another thing being in an environment where people are celebrating your gifts not just tolerating them mm-hmm. and it's another thing as well but not only celebrating your gifts giving you opportunity to use them mm. without having to be perfect at them but like you know when a kid learns how to ride a bike you don't expect them to be a cyclist you expect them to wiggle around and learn and eventually get it in a straight line i i i was blessed with with environments and friendship groups who let me be how God had wired me, but also encouraged it and it had room to grow. And I think it makes all the difference. I really do. It makes all the difference. Cause I think there's a, I'm, I always call myself a little extra. I'm like, I had a landscaper come by the other day. It was landscaping our yard. And he's like, how much landscape do you want? And I'm like, I want all the plants, like put them all in there. Like, I, he's like, you don't want a minimalist front yard. I'm like, look at me. No, I want every plant you have. But over the years, he's like, and, and like, he's laughing, but my husband's like, yeah, she really does want all the plants. Um, I, I've, I, have, I have done that. And I have come into contact with so many people that are like, how can you have this extra personality, this loud personality? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're on, uh, you have a daily radio show and like, don't just men do that. And you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, no, God has called me to yeah. step into this role. But why is it that, that loud, not even loud, bold women have, um, I don't, you know, I'm using the very word that people have used against me for so bold women that have something to say are, um, almost disrespected and told not to say that when we see Jesus Mm -hmm. in the new Testament, uh, uh, raising them up and, and, and speaking to women, you talk about both, both are invited, men and women. Talk about that message of the book. Absolutely, because I think when we look at the scriptures and we look at the, we have a great heritage of women, a range of women, a range of personalities, a range of gifts, a range of talents, but I'm most struck at, at living into their gifts. You know, that from the very beginning, God raises humanity and says, right, be fruitful and multiply. And we know that that's not just limited the context of childbearing because Jesus didn't have kids. We see, I mean, Jesus is the perfect representation of, of living into the Father's purpose um, for our lives. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that there are women who are traveling with him in Luke um, 8, Joanna, Susanna, and Mary, who are traveling with him and yes. the disciples. I mean, if it's controversial now, it's certainly controversial then. Yes. And, yet, and they are bankrolling the ministry. We see Mary and Martha and the whole story of Mary and Martha. Of, um, her, uh, and we, we're used to interpreting that story purely as, Mary, um, Martha was busy. Mary was sat down at Jesus' feet, but we forget what was actually happening there. When Mary sits in the room in that moment uh, with the disciples, only woman in the room sitting there, what's happening is that whole 
posture of sitting at his feet is the posture of discipleship. Mm. And the discipleship isn't just learning. When you learn from a rabbi, you wanted to be who the rabbi was. You wanted to do what they did. So when Mary's sitting there, she, what she's saying is she wanting to speak like Jesus, drive out demons like Jesus, heal the sick like Jesus. Yes, she's sitting there to learn and to grow. Yeah. And, and she steps out of the cultural expectations for her life and into the purposes of Jesus and is publicly affirmed for doing so. And, and I think that's, that's, there's something for us in that. There's, a, there's more than a nugget. There's an illustration. There's more than an exception when Jesus appears first to Mary and then sends her to, to spread the message of the resurrection, knowing that, it's not, that it wasn't seen as um, acceptable in a court of law. It may have not been acceptable in the courts of society, but in the courts of the King of Kings, it was exactly what needed to be done. Yeah. And, I, and I think for, for all of us, it reminds us. And often there are two things. There's one for me that is like, let's just, like I said at the beginning, agree with what God is already doing. Yeah. But the other question in this moment that I keep asking is, what is not happening when women aren't stepping into their gifts? Let's take your voice away. No radio show. Mm-hmm. But what happens when that, you know, let's take, a, let's, what, what businesses aren't being started? What books aren't being written? What ministries aren't being launched? What even courageous conversations aren't happening in our homes? What mm-hmm. challenges aren't being confronted in our homes? All because women didn't realize that God not just accepted that they had a purpose, but celebrated it. And more than that, designed them with that purpose in mind. I love that you said that because I've often thought what by by what blanketing what women have to say mm. what what exactly what you just said uh, uh, several years ago I did a study on domestic violence in the church mm. and right after it right after it the church two movement was started me too movement me too movement was already up and going but church two started and mm-hmm. here I do this study with Lifeway and I'm like listen. This is happening. happening. I was kicked out of my church for divorcing my abusive husband. This is happening. But what we've done is we have silenced all these yeah. women. How yeah. many women wouldn't have had to have struggled if someone would have done it 50 yeah. years ago because it was yeah. happening yeah. back then? This is exactly what you just said is exactly, I think, my frustration a lot of times that women have so many gifts that yeah. God has given them to speak into the culture, to speak into society. Um, and we're, we're listening to the culture. And like the whole point of your book, we're not agreeing with God. Uh, I'm obsessed. Oh my gosh, I'm going to start to preach here in a second. Um, so talk to me about that. Is, is uh, Mary the, the heroine that you are drawn to mostly? Is, is her, is her uh, legacy what has inspired you the most, you say, in the, in the, think in the Bible? I, I probably would still come back to Deborah. I think what I love about Deborah is the unapologetic nature of her leadership. I love the fact that she's serving in the trenches one-on-one with people. I mean, these are people who are traumatized, whose lives, like 20 years, they've had oppression, and she's meeting with them every day one-on-one. I love the fact that you see her call people's gifts out by her words and her example. Do you know what I mean? That she calls Barak, who is like, understandably, 20 years of oppression when your enemy has far more sophisticated weaponry than you, of course you're not going to be living into your fullness. And for her to remind him that God's still there, I think is powerful. I see that she's able, that she gives confidence to a broken people, I find really powerful. And that she declares it, you know, that there's this public side and this private side, but it's unapologetic. And what, what makes me laugh about her is when she sings her song, and she's like, village life ceased. Nothing is going on until I stood up and did it. And I love this. I mean, today, if a woman's like, 
yeah, everything was rubbish. Everything was terrible until I rose up and got things done. We'd be like, how dare you? How arrogant are you? That's terrible. But one, facts. I mean, facts. But also I love the fact that she is just owning her place in the story, Mm. her place in God's story. Mm. This is the before, this is the after because of what God did. And mm-hmm. her life was saying yes to God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think that when I look at Deborah, I love the fact that she's the civil and spiritual leader. I love the fact that she is, that the people thrive. You know I mean? There's just this footnote mm-hmm. at the end. And, the, and we know it's in Judges where, let's face it, that is the roller coaster book of the Bible where it's just <laughs> crazy, just a mess. But we have this footnote and the land had peace, you know what I mean? And the, and the land had peace for a generation, for 40 years. And, that, and, and that, that's, the, that's the last word on her story a generation's worth of peace. And so I'm struck by the, just the multifaceted nature of her gifts. The, um, the fact that it's not even her who does the deed in the end, it's Jael who does it, but it's made possible because Deborah stands and uses yeah. her voice. I feel like this is breathing life into people. I get asked this question all the time about what do I do? I have these desires. I just, the, the very reason that, that, this book was written by you. This is mm-hmm. all these questions instigated this book in you. Um, I feel like this is giving life. I want to talk to you about your analogy of the unwrapped gift. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, my kids like, like yours, I have a 14 year old girl too. And um, they love Christmas. Do you know what I mean? My kids, my kids send me a PowerPoint presentation every year on what the gift should be. Mm. And, stuff. and it's just like, <laughs> And it's to be distributed around the family. And it's got links direct to the gift. And, and it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. But it's because they expect it, don't they? They expect that yeah. these gifts are going to be given. And, and although we all, it's, it's the norm. And mm. I imagined one day when I was thinking through this stuff, I imagined if my girls came down, I have two, two girls, two teenagers, and they came down on Christmas Day and they looked at these gifts and they unwrapped them and closed them again and mm. or pushed them back under the tree. And we'd think it was weird. You know, and, and if I asked them, I said, you know, why won't, what if I'm not good enough for that gift? Is that a girl gift or a boy gift? Oh, I'm not sure if I can use that gift. I'm, is that gift really for me? And I would find it sad because as, a, as their mother, I just want them to enjoy their gift. And I know the potential that's, un, that's realized if they ride that bike, if they learn how to drive a car and how it unlocks in their life. And yet my observation is that women do this all the time. Yes. All the time. We look at that gift and go, I'm not good enough for that gift. Lord, you know what I used to be like? You know, do you remember my story? I, I can't have this gift. Or that gift looks like what boys do. Can I use that gift? I'll put that gift aside. I don't know how to use that gift yet. Well, no, you don't know how to, but you're going to learn. No, 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 no. If, I can't, if I'm going to get it wrong, then I'm going to get everything wrong. So I can't use that gift. And, I, and so I've, I've, almost as a matter of principle now, I often ask when I'm coaching leaders, when I'm in casual conversations, I'm like, so what gifts have you got that you've left unwrapped? Love it. And is it time? And what does it look like to begin to unwrap the gift that God has given you? Mm. All of them, not just the ones that you feel are culturally acceptable, but that, that one you hid around the back of the tree that's been gathering dust. How about we pull <laughs> that one out how about, yeah. and unwrap that one too? I just think it's an important thing for us to acknowledge. That is such an amazing way um, to say that because God has given us these gifts as our Father, but it's almost like um, we're not allowed to enjoy them, we are mm. restricted. Several years ago, my husband and I have been married 16 years. And when we were first married, he, he was a pastor at a church. And they had private, this is bad, <laughs> they had private meetings with him about me being too strong. And they would tell him, your wife can't be this strong. Your wife can't be this strong. 
And I, he would, he would come home and tell me this. And I'm like, but this, I'm not being crazy. I'm simply walking in the freedom that God has given me. Why does what the spirit is telling me, why is that not supported by what these people are telling me? Now we didn't stay at that church very long. But I mean, we got it, we got it. But I'm telling you, this is, I wish that was unique to me, but it's not. I find it everywhere. I want you in the, in the, we have a couple minutes left, but I want you to speak to that girl today, that woman today. Maybe she's 50 and she's been told her whole life. Yeah. This is like my greatest nightmare. Um, someone that's, that's, that's 50 years old, that's a woman that has had all these gifts that know she needs to disciple, she needs to teach, she needs to whatever. And it's been wet blanketed and it's been discouraged. And yet that's what she was born for. Yeah. Talk to, talk to her today. And what, can, what do you, what do you, what wisdom do you have for her? The first thing I would say is, um, I would remind, first of all, I'd say I'm really sorry that's happened to you. Do you know what I mean? I've been sorry. I'm sorry for the way your gifts have been marginalized, how you have lived like a round peg in a square hole all your life, mm. you know, and the way that you've had to close your dreams down, shut your personality down, spontaneously combust inside yeah. just to make somebody else feel comfortable. And even then they were still threatened by you. And, <laughs> and I, would, I would say, I would say, you know what? It's time to agree with how God made you, mm. that you're, the way you were wired. And when I say fearfully and wonderfully made, um, not just you on the outside, but your mind is fearfully and wonderfully made. Your gifts are, are fearfully and wonderfully made. That that magnificent design that God, was not a concession in the heart of God. It was not. He is not shocked by your strength. He's not upset by your strength. He's certainly not intimidated by your strength. Right. He's not mm-hmm. shocked by your quietness, for your uh, for your introvert nature. For, do you know what I mean? The range of women who are listening. God is not shocked by you. He designed you this way, and He will restore the years that the locusts have eaten, and He wants to redeem your journey. Even if you're 70, he wants to redeem your journey. So I would encourage you to, first of all, have some time with him and begin to agree again. Pull those gifts out from underneath the tree. Mm. Write them down if you need to. Pull those dreams out and, um, and ask, and ask make, put a line in the sand somewhere, I mean, in, in your heart, in your, in your journey, and say, God, I'm going to start agreeing with what you say about me. Mm. And I'm just going to go from a place of agreement. Mm. I'm going to say yes to how you've wired me. I'm going to say yes to my voice. I'm going to say yes to my gifts. That's the first thing. And then the next thing I would say is who are the people in your life who are, who are in your life, who celebrate you, don't tolerate you, who, um, who aren't threatened by you because, and who can help you unpack again the parts of your story and your gifting that you need to, you know, we, we, we discern in the context of community, but you've got to be sure that the community around you aren't trying to shut you down. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You having had, if you all had a discernment process with those people who were saying you were too strong, that had just kind of put you in a straitjacket and thrown you somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And told you to come out later when it's quiet. So, uh, but, you know, it takes a village to raise a leader. It, yeah. it really does. It's, so who's in your village who can help encourage you, remind you of who you are before you, before you take that next step or as you take that next step? Look, look for your village because, mm-hmm. um, because our lives can get a little nuanced and complicated. Do you know what I mean? They can, um, but I, but I want to encourage you that your village might be in your neighborhood. They might be virtual half of them, but they can be found. Mm. And, and I, then I would ask, what's the next thing? Just the next step mm. of the journey. I love this. I, I, I fear we're running out of time, Joe. I probably could talk to you all day <laughs> long. Um, but I love this. I want, 
I want you, my listeners out there to go get this book, especially you guys know um, how passionate I am about walking in your callings. I think this will answer a lot of questions Mm -hmm. for uh, those of you out there, women that are like, oh, I've been told by my church, I can't. I've been told, I've been, you know, I want you to get some biblical truth in this book by Joe Saxon, Ready to Rise, Own Your Voice, Gather Your Community, Step Into Your influence. It was released in April. I know it's shipping now on Amazon. You can, you, I'm sure you can get anywhere. Yes. Um, but check out also the other things that Joe does. Um, she, t- tell me, tell me a couple things you do before we leave. Yeah, I host, um, I host a podcast called Lead Stories, but the main thing I'm working on right now is a digital coaching platform where I coach women leaders who are business, ministry, nonprofit creatives. Um, we meet, it's a monthly, well, every month, um, we, we do something every week, a training session, we bring in a mentor, we connect, and it's just providing that, creating that space for women to, again, own their voice and their gifts, but to get some ongoing investment, ongoing investment. And we offer the 30, you know, we offer a trial that people can try it out just to see if it fits them, you get access to the archives, you get to connect with women leaders around the world. Um, and so if, if and that, you know, some of the women there are, are grandmothers and some are just starting out. So if you're saying, I'm not even sure I am on this be part of a, a, come and join us, come and try it out and see if there's something for you that will help you on your journey, on your leadership journey. And where can they find that uh, website? Yeah, my um, joesaxtonleadershipcoaching.com. Okay, go there, pick it out. Thank you guys for listening. Go grab this book. Joe, thank you so much. Thank I you. Love, I love talking to you. This was awesome. And thank you for listening. You can catch me right back here tomorrow on the Autumn Mile Show. The Autumn Miles Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.